podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield wrap to talk about Southampton 1, Liverpool 2. What might end up come the end of the season contextually be one of Liverpool's 3-4-5 toughest away games of the season. Liverpool go to Southampton, win by two goals to one. To talk about it, I've got Ian Ryan, Gareth Roberts, James Pearce of The Athletic and Paul Senior of Town. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Southampton 1, Liverpool 2. It becomes, James, it becomes a very, very nervy conclusion and it was also a nervy-ish first half. But in the gaps in between, Liverpool do actually play some really, really good stuff and should be pleased with the performance. Yeah, I, I think in general, I thought Liverpool deserved the victory. I think it was always going to be a struggle. I think you've got to put it in context. And, you know, I, I think like a lot of supporters went down there fearing the worst, to be honest, when you know it was so, so hot and, and gruelling that night. In Istanbul, 120 minutes. You, know, you think Southampton's smarting from what happened to them on the opening weekend. Um, you know their first home game of the season. You know had a full week to prepare. Um, I thought that Liverpool played as well as I think it was realistic to expect. I think the first half was scrappy and disjointed, um, but not troubled particularly often. And then second half, on the back of Mane's goal, I thought Liverpool were really, really impressive for long periods of that second half, and it was only. Once Adrian makes the mistake, that the nerves start jangling. Um, but uh, no, that was. It felt like a, a massive, massive win. That was, you know, obviously all the sweeter with what happened to City a few hours later. It's one Gareth where it really was. James says going down there, being worried about it. I was worried about it beforehand as well. It's it's something that Liverpool very. We can say they've got experience of going European game midweek game. But there's a couple of things, isn't there? One, Chelsea are about as good a side as you can get on one level. There was the how late it goes at Istanbul. There's mm. the extra time. This isn't just a Champions League group game away at FC Copenhagen. This is the idea of, you know, early in the season, 120 minutes, great opponent in Istanbul, the weather, all of this combined in the fact the that... Penalties as well, the penalties as well. The penalties. The penalties, the nervous energy that, you you know, you will have used in, in, in going through that. Um, you know, James's piece for The Athletic, he talks about, you know, Henderson had to have a, a, a piss test, for want of a better phrase, etc., etc. You know, they're not getting home till a mad time. You know, they're having like four or five hours kip and then they're reporting back for the one training session they actually get before before this game. You know, in terms of prep, it was awful. And I think, you know, you saw both the manager and I think um, I think it was Robertson hinted at it as well. I think Robertson actually said something along the lines of we could have done with a little bit more help here. I'm bearing in mind it was at three o'clock, it wasn't on the telly, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you do wonder why couldn't it have been shifted 24 hours to give Liverpool more of a chance maybe, but, you know, seemingly the Premier League isn't asked about stuff like that and they're just expected to get through it. I, I think it was a brilliant display of, of mental strength yet again. Um, because- just to come on the, right straight away on that, the mental strength, James's piece that you mentioned, it talks a lot about the physical side, but the, yeah. he hints at the mental elements as well, and that's what these <clears throat> players show. Absolutely. It is that sort of the collective mentality of we're not going to let ourselves be knocked by this, picking themselves back up. Yeah. They're elite athletes, but the mental side. But also as well, you know, the best player on the pitch is Sadio Mane. He's absolutely brilliant, scores a cracker of a goal, he's, get, he's putting tackles in. All of his stats are like, you know, top of the league pretty much for his position and everything else. He's the lad who's meant to be knackered. He's the lad who was playing in the summer. And he's the lad afterwards who's pointing at his head and saying, tiredness is all in here. Well, it's not, is it? But if that's, what he's, <laughs> if that's what he's telling himself and he's able to play like that and get through it, that's absolutely brilliant. And I, I think, again, that's sort of testament to both the manager but also the players that the manager's got in. He's got in a certain type of person, a certain type of, you know, 
people with a certain mindset. And we're seeing that over and over again. And I think that really sort of bodes well. I mean, you know, look, what is it now? 40 Premier League games in a row and we've lost one. Um, you know, we're a brilliant side. And okay, the football might not always be champagne, but I almost think he's not always aiming for it to be. It's just about the winning. It's just about the winning. And Liverpool are really good at just about the winning. It's one where you get to see what helps on the just about the winning side, that quality in attack a couple of times here. And he, pick, he picks all three of them and he, he clearly picks them because it's the way home. We'll get the ball to them. When we get the ball to them, they will show exactly why they are the most feared triumvirate of forwards in European, in world football. They're going to demonstrate that. And, and there's no greater example of that than after Liverpool have been on, have been very much on the ropes for 20 minutes. Sadio Mane scores just what is the most outrageous goal. Yeah, it is outrageous. And I thought, you know, it was the right decision to go with the, the obvious three, even though they played in Istanbul only a few days before. You know, there you go, two lads. Sadio Mane in 2019 is the go-to person. Um, his form is is unbelievable. Um, I was reading the other day, you know, even last year, it's not just what he's doing with the ball, but off the ball as well. So he makes more tackles than any other forward last year, um, which just shows the kind of work I think he's got. Um, the ability to set up other players as well. So you think about chances in the second half that he creates for Salah, who should score. Bobby should score. But his goal is just a, another another moment of brilliance. And you are really starting to, to run out of superlatives now with Sadio Mane. I mean, we had a conversation on the weekend, Neil, last week about the front three and how hard it is to pick your favourite because at different times of the season, they all bring different things to the party. But right now, Sadio Mane, I mean, if you eat... As a group now, five fellas having a conversation about who the best and most influential footballers in the world are right now. At some point, someone's bringing up Sadio Mane's name. That's how good he is right now. He is influencing football matches week in, week out, and another great display from him. Southampton are no mugs. And no. Two years on the bounce, you've been down there. Well, two seasons on the bounce, you've been down there to watch them. I was with you for the first one. The second one, you got to see again, they had a very, very clear plan. They knew how they were going to pin Liverpool back. I think that's about as smothered as I've seen us in that 20, 25-minute period. Milner going off doesn't help, but it continues after Milner comes back on, Paul. And I think Liverpool had a healthy respect for Southampton, a healthy respect for the Southampton manager. Took the game very, very seriously indeed, but you got to see again, they will make that place a hard place to go. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think every time I've ever been down there, it's been been almost like a war. Um, the, The... We've we've come away with the results a lot of the times, but it's never it's never been easy. It's always been one of them slogs where you go, wow, what a contest that was. I think last year was that. I mean, the, the elation for Salah's goal last year shows just how hard a game it was. And then when Henderson's Henderson scores late on, it was just because Southampton had been mentally defeated. I felt I felt Liverpool had just got the edge. And this year wasn't wasn't too different to be honest with you. It took a real moment of genius from uh, from Sadio Mane to to break them. You know, they they put up. Uh, a, a really resilient performance. If anything, if you were talking, if this was a boxing match, maybe even Southampton were winning on points. Um, come the come the end of that first half. Second half was different. I thought Liverpool, Liverpool maybe had a bit more of the game than I think they're getting getting given credit for. You know, there's obviously some of the best football I've seen us play in a long time. Was playing that second half at Southampton. You know, you, that you, twenty minutes after half time. You're saying it there, and I agree with you. Liverpool play fantastic <coughs> stuff, and they one, play fantastic touch, um, quick, intricate stuff. I mean, if you, if you're looking for me to sum up that second half for the most of it, maybe pre the Southampton goal, 
is is the Robertson attempt. Their goalkeeper's fantastic. He, he's he's that's a, he's like a goal of the season if that goes. If in. Robertson scores, it is. I think he should go the other post. But um, what the fuck do I know? Uh, he's yeah. I mean, and, and Mane's Mane's integral to it all. Really, like we we just talking and talking Reds about the Demi and Gareth that it's not his attacking plays as good if not better than anyone at the moment. But it's also the stuff he's dropping in. He's taking pressure off. Off the midfield, there was times where where I thought Salah and Firmino looked a little bit lost. I thought Firmino was great for the most of it, but there was periods where Southampton were really in the game, where I was like, okay, you just need to come and chip in a bit, especially Salah. But Mane, Mane was there. He was just on the edge of our box, coming short. There was a there was a lot of problems being built in the game through the goalkeeper struggling to distribute the ball out, but Mane seemed more alert to that than the others. Was there something, Paul, in the ground, I'll come to James on it as well, where you could see that Southampton had a clear plan to stop the ball getting into Salah? Because I think Salah just does not get on the ball at all. Certainly in that first half where Liverpool are getting smothered, they always seem to me to put, just be, it's the old passing lanes thing, just putting someone to make that pass really, really difficult. Trent doesn't pass it to Salah once all game. And that to me suggests Southampton had a real clear game plan. But then someone like Mane breaks that game plan by virtue of the fact that he will come and be completely unorthodox. Well, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, that that size of the pitch, I I don't think... Stood out at all, you know, right hand side. I thought there, I thought Bertrand and I'm not sure who was on on that side of the midfield. We're, we're covering, we're covering well. I thought I thought Trent struggled to get into the game at times, but where the opposite was was evident with with Mane and Robertson, who were very much in the game. Um, so it was good to see them two back together. I thought having Oxley Chamberlain around the place helped helped them too. As well, because I think he was giving them a lot to think about in terms of his movement, just turning up in the right areas, having that more attacking midfielder than we're used to. I thought was that that extra body allowed one or two to show a bit more because there was so much more to think about. James in that second half, the second half period where Liverpool play really, really well. There is you get to see Oxlade Chamberlain enjoy himself a little bit, really come alive. Paul talks about the intricate stuff, and that's where I think you see Oxley Chamberlain at his best. He's very much pulling space all over in that sort of the, the edge of that final third, and you can see people running off him. You can see that people come alive when he's got the ball. They think he's going to find them. Yeah, I think you know. I thought Oxley Chamberlain was probably one of the most satisfying his performance, one of the most satisfying parts of the whole the whole trip down there, really, because um, it was it wasn't nice really seeing him in the Super Cup. When I think you know he struggled out on that left, wasn't able to make any kind of impact and he would have known that that was that was a big day for him Saturday because I think it was a leap of faith from Klopp to to stick him straight back in I think part of the decision was was definitely the fact that that Henderson and and Fabinho had so many minutes in their legs from for midweek um but Oxley Chamberlain would have known that that you know that there aren't going to be you know a huge number of opportunities if you if if you aren't going to be able to take them and that was a that was a big step forward you're right you know the, the way in which he used the ball um, you know, he looked he looked sharp and, and mobile and, and creative. You know, we talked about before about Salah. It was very quiet, which I think part of that was Southampton did a job on him. But also, you know, I don't think he was anywhere near as as sharp and as lively as as he can be. But you know, I think there was one one opening in the first half, one though that was Oxley Chamberlain picking him out. Um, and you know, the other big thing for me about the second half was I know from speaking to a couple of the backroom staff afterwards that they felt that the two fullbacks were, were too deep in that first half and, and they needed to, to push on to exploit the space out wide because you know they were expecting um, Southampton to only play with the, the one up top and they felt that there was, because of the way that Southampton set up, there was space 
on the flanks that they weren't making the most of in that first half. And I think having Alexander-Arnold and Robertson a bit further forward after the break, you know, did did enable Liverpool to to get a grip on proceedings. You mentioned uh, put, James there mentions Gareth Robertson. You mentioned before the great opportunity. You did see that second forty-five. I thought you saw Robertson. Robertson in particular. I feel you saw him. When Robertson's brilliant, I think you see him break space. You see the way in which he runs, just create space for other people, or for himself, one or the other. And I think you saw a number of really, really good examples of that in the second forty-five. Yeah, it, it felt like. I mean, obviously, it was huge that Liverpool score when they do in, in the first half, and you know we mentioned earlier on the psychological aspect of the game well I think you could see Southampton visually slump including the manager um, I feel I feel almost a little bit sorry for the manager because you know he, he's happy with them for 60 minutes at Burnley and then they get blown away he's happy with them pretty much for the first half against Liverpool and then Mane does that but I feel like Liverpool came out second half going alright well we'll show what we're about now and as has mentioned some of the football was brilliant Robertson much much better because they've been a few little grumblings here and there about has he looked that good this season? Is he a little bit off it? Uh, but yeah, he was he, he was back to his best. Oxley Chamberlain, as already mentioned, came into his own second half as well. And yeah, I think everyone sort of remembered who they were. And had it not been for the sort of the goalkeeper's mistake, which obviously gave Southampton a huge lift, I think we we possibly go on and win more comfortably. I mean, you know, a lot being made about the chances that Southampton get and the fact that Liverpool in general are conceding more shots and conceding more big chances and that kind of thing. But, you know, equally, Firmino misses one that he should score. Um, and I, I think it's easily a sort of a more comfortable game than it is. I mean, I was looking into when Liverpool score over the weekend because it feels to me that Liverpool always start second halves well. And so I was expecting to see a lot of goals immediately after second half. What I instead found was that last season in the Premier League, Liverpool scored more than anyone else in the last 15. And so that's a time when, when they're on top in a game. And yet in this game, it was, it was the other way around. It was the only time, and Klopp mentioned it, where you thought, hang on, they don't look right in terms of the body language here. They're a bit like, it, was, it all got a bit panicky. It got a little bit old school Liverpool. You know, how many times have we used to go and watch games at Anfield where we were fairly comfortable, we concede one and then, you know, the other side's throwing the kitchen sink at it and, and the whole ground's going, oh! And it, it, and it was a bit like that on Saturday. It was a bit, it was it was unexpected because Liverpool have been so good under Klopp for two seasons really now at controlling games and they lost a little bit of that second half late on because of the keeper's mistake. Makes you wonder if they'd lost a bit of the confidence in themselves through, through the goalkeeper's error, I don't know. It, almost like where everything's rosy in the garden, no shit it's not, you know, and it, it was, it become it did become evident and you've seen a little bit of panic, but I didn't, I didn't think it was too much, obviously the, the Ings chance is one that you don't expect Liverpool to concede, it's not, it's not the normal, a normal type of chance that Liverpool concede either really, um, where he has just drifted through and found himself in, in acres of space really, hasn't he, um, so yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought we, I thought we were alright in the main, I, there was a point at, to when, when Firmino scored, when I thought, oh, this could go now go on to be a bit of a cricket score, um, and obviously you see Robertson have the chance. There's there's a period where you think Liverpool could run away with it. I don't think Southampton would have deserved it to be honest with you. I think I think the actual the score was a, probably a true reflection of the game, but you know, this I think if it wasn't for the mistake from the goalkeeper, I think Liverpool could have went on and scored more. Neil Warnock said something at the end of last season when he's asked about his toughest opponents and he said to Liverpool and he said to Liverpool for a number of reasons one they've got 
this ability to lull you into a bit of a false sense of security, which we've done time and time again, and then come out second half and batter you. But also he said that they work harder than anyone else in terms of retrieving the ball. And I think you see a little bit of that. But I thought Liverpool, yes, we allowed probably one or two many chances first half. There was gaps that shouldn't be there. But second half, it's a it's a brilliant display for about half an hour. Um, the way Liverpool have got this ability now to, very similar to City, and I don't think I've seen another team other than City or Liverpool who are capable of squeezing the life out of an opponent the way we do, just pinning them back. It's very Ajax of the 70s. If you watch clips of the old Dutch national team in their, in their pomp, that's what they used to do. They'd play halfway line. No, their old centre-half, Rude Kroll, would say, we don't defend our goal, we attack our halfway line, or we attack the halfway line, and teams can't get out. You know, centre-half are taking their mark off the deepest line midfield player and just squeezing. And that's what you find, you know, Southampton, and you see it with Spurs as well against City, lads are just playing blind balls because they feel there's that much pressure and they're not suffocated, they can't look up, and we do that really well for half an hour. But what I would say is that that pulls us back to the first half, because I think we've start, we start okay and then just before, I think we're beginning to sort of lose our way a tiny bit, but then Milner has to go off, Ian. And when you, you're so reliant on shape to lose one man and then to lose him for an indeterminate length of time, I think it has a real knock-on effect that it gives Southampton some encouragement. And they might have been being a bit cagey anyway and picking the moments, but it really does put us on the back foot that we have to play for a question mark length of time with only 10. Yeah, and the manager's got no idea, or probably little idea of how long that's going to take. He doesn't know how severe the, the cut is, and obviously Milner has stitches, so he's off for, for longer than you want him to be. I think also you've got to give the opposition credit as well. You know, they've got good footballers in there. You know, Ward-Prowse, great delivery. You see that for the chance that Yoshida should score. It's a good save, but he should bury it. Um, Romeo, um, they've got Hoiberg in there as well. He's a really good footballer. So they're lads who are going to cut off passing lanes, even when you've got... 11 lads who are making themselves available so all of a sudden you've got one less so I think you've got to give them loads and loads of credit but Liverpool do what we've done so many times you know and the manager can point to last season and say you've lived through this experience you know Southampton's a really tough place to go there's a case study from last year you're going to have to weather the storm for maybe half an hour we knew it was going to be tough first game of the season for them they're on the back of a really poor result against Burnley so they come out flying and they've got you know they've got some decent attacking players as well I mean Shea Adams probably should score that chance. He was lively. He was lively, though. He gets in between centre-half and, and, and full-back, and as I say, on another day, maybe he tucks that away. You know, Danny Ings, when he comes on, offers a threat. And I always think Redmond's he's a, he's a funny footballer, Redmond. I've watched him in loads of other games where it just tends to pass him by. But when he's against the big boys, and you've seen it when he's come up against City in the past and Liverpool, he always looks a threat. He lacks goals, but in terms of being able to beat a man and open up space, he's more than capable of that. So I think, you know, the manager speaks about mentality giants at the end and he says, doesn't he, you know, I want the headline to be the mentality giants have rolled into town or been in town. It's a great line by the manager. And you see loads of that from Liverpool across the 90 minutes. We, Gareth, the period where Milner's off, it is really, really difficult for the for any coach. This isn't just a Liverpool thing or a Klopp thing. I think I, I hate an unknown absence because you can see it's affecting everybody because yeah. no one no one knows quite what to do it's a bit like but well, when's he coming back what do I sit in now do we, do, we, do we play it out a little bit even the opposition we do the first 90 seconds of being quite nice and then we realise well we can't just keep doing this it, it really it really wrecks a game I think yeah and it felt like forever didn't it I mean you know I, I was screaming at it like when's he coming back on when's he coming back on how long does it take and then it became evident that he was obviously having stitches and everything else and eventually re-emerges but it definitely gave Southampton a boost and it changed the momentum around the game I mean yeah 
it was a bit scrappy and it was high energy and, and Southampton were sort of stopping us. But they weren't particularly causing us problems, didn't feel. And, but Milner, Milner going off for that length of time definitely gave them a huge boost. And when you look where Milner was on the pitch in, in the time he was on the pitch, he, he was everywhere. He was the, he was the probably the highest energy midfielder, if you like, of those who were on the pitch. So it, it obviously made a massive difference. And yeah, I mean, Southampton will probably be kicking themselves that they didn't make the most of it. James, there's something in one of the things that happens when it sort of wrecks the game is it left Liverpool without an out ball. And I don't think that we really solved that throughout the rest of the half. Um, it was only really when the board went up and Liverpool pushed back up the pitch. But I think maybe that's been a little thing from the first half against City, the first half against Chelsea, is Liverpool have found themselves struggling to, to get out once the pressure comes on. Before the pressure comes on, they're very much in control. But after it comes on, they've found it a little difficult to get out. And obviously having one player less on the pitch makes that even harder again. Yeah, and and obviously I think the fact it was Milner as well who had been very influential up to that point, and you could see, you know, I was looking down at the the touchline and Klopp was absolutely irate during that five six minute period because he knew that the whole momentum of the game was shifting, as as Gareth said, and and you know I don't think the players really knew what the plan was to try and fill that gap. I mean, I think Firmino started dropping a little bit deeper, but then as you say, then the problem is then when you get the ball, you don't have that that out ball up there and. Yeah, it, it it was an issue, and you know even you know even once Milner's back on the field, you you, you just sense the whole mood around St Mary's had changed, and and you know it, it took something absolutely you know magnificent from Sadio Mane to uh, to switch it back the other way. Is this James something that you know as I say you've seen it in a couple of the other games, even when there has been eleven? This Liverpool side to me is a side that's so so convinced about tempo that it exists for tempo. And when it gets the tempo taken away, I think it becomes a little difficult, doesn't it? I think I think you see the same thing at times with City. When we've been watching City recently, I've been saying things like, let's see how they are when a side's in the game on 60. And it begins to sort of pull away. It's almost as though these brilliant sides, they've got to be able to set and keep their tempo. And it becomes a lot harder when another side is sort of dominating that aspect of the game. Yeah, yeah and I think yeah, Saturday was a good example of that, wasn't it? Where... Where, where Liverpool kind of lost it and then and then struggled to to retrieve it and but I think I think a lot of it was you you've got to give Southampton credit as the lad said before you know they are they are no mugs teams they they'll take points off off decent teams especially down there this season and and you know the big thing which is what we saw develop over the the course of last season is that the when Liverpool aren't at their best when when they don't have that you know they're not in that stride they're not playing with that swagger that we know they can can play with that they're able to dig deep and and repel teams advances and although you know what probably had you know the, the Sheeda chance you know he, he probably should have buried that but you know and then what was it, the the Che Adams header but it was you know it wasn't it wasn't like it was the Alamo it was uh, you know there was a there was a there was a couple of decent chances but you know by and large you know Liverpool weren't even when they were at their worst on Saturday, they they weren't actually that bad. I I think as well, you know that that Mane goal. I don't know if you've all seen what he said about it afterwards. Like it's amazing how he talks about it. He sounds like Kenny. Like he's saying before he's even got the ball, he's spotted there's a gap, and and so you know that's how his mind is is dealing with it. And I, and again, that just says to me a man absolutely on the top of his game because you know you look into the psychology of sports people and when. When they're not in the right bit, they can overthink it. They can almost be talking themselves through a game and that type of thing. Mane absolutely knows that he's on his top form, that he's playing for a great club, that he's at the peak of his career. 
and the way he talked about it was brilliant. You don't often hear footballers talk about that, but to say he'd already seen the, the, the space and he knew what he was going to do before he even received the ball. Then what a player we've got on our hands, and he, and he's put it in the top bin, and you see the keepers nowhere near it. Even the defender, like you, you know, the, all he's done is gone outside twice, two two little touches outside, shifted out his feet, and then put it top in. And there's lots of talk about quality of chances and all that kind of stuff, and the fact that opponents have been getting some quality chances and not putting them away. Well, that's not one, is it? The, you know, the the xG around where he's put that in. It would be shit, I presume. I'm not. I'm big. Point three. Three. Is it? Yeah. Look yeah, yeah, go ahead, lad. <laughs> that's, well, then, that's, that's what you're here for, lad. <laughs> I, I think, I think what you're right. What you're saying is right there, Gareth. Um, if you if you look at that goal back, and I thought it at the time, he, he has he's highlighted exactly where he wants to put put it because. I almost felt like he was managing the goalkeeper's movements a little because he takes a he takes like a funny touch to set himself. He almost like draws them in. It takes one and it gives him the perfect angle just to put it where yeah. he does. The the way he set up for that goal, I think was right. It was almost like okay, I can see I can see how this goes from start to finish. You know, he's he's identified it really early. The goalkeeper. He doesn't let him take that step across to set himself because the touch he takes is so fast and then bang yeah. straight away he's at it. Fantastic, and it just shows just how how on top of his game he is. There is something um, around a couple of those chances in the first half, Ian. It's it would be negligible, negligent, sorry, not to actually mention that. And and I think this is back to the mentality and the, the mental pressures that are put on the put on the Liverpool players at the minute, and in terms of concentration. Essentially, if it was almost any other player on the pitch who lets Yoshida have that free jump not Van Dijk, we're going, what on earth does he think he's doing? We always rightly allow the best centre-half in the world to pass. Uh, but I don't think the best centre-half in the world has his best afternoon on Saturday. There's two or three things where you know he does that lovely touch that everyone will have seen the clip mm. of on social. He's still got all that in his locker, but a couple of bits of the actual, we're at a bit of crisis point defending here. I thought it, was, it wasn't quite what you'd expect, what you've seen from him in the past. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it was an unusual game for, for Van Dijk because we are used to him being just magnificent for 90 minutes. And I think when Liverpool are good, Van Dijk's good in that moment as well. So that clip, you see where he's just, he just uses class. But there is the, the, you see the chance where he gets away from him a little bit. And I think for the Danny Ings one at the end as well, he doesn't cover himself in glory there. He lets him run off him a little bit. And he's, he's, he's pointing at fellas, but without actually kind of doing his own job. So you don't see it very often. thought it was a really good bit of pointing, you know. Nothing's yeah, going to be I mean, this yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, to be fair, a virtual points at you, you tend to do what he oh, absolutely, yeah. So, But I think... I mean, you know, you've said it there, Neil, in the kind of intro to this question, you know, he doesn't have many off days. You know, he, he, you can kind of mark them on one hand. So you're going to forgive anyone, especially in a game that you end up winning. You know, you're going to you're going to forgive Virgil I, Van Dijk. I, I, do, I do think, sorry, Neil, is that we are too quick to look past his off days, though, a little bit, because he's obviously so brilliant. But I think sometimes, like, if, if a mistake is made, you can, you're almost in your head go, well, it can't have been Van Dijk. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that does tend to happen. I mean, I think, I think sometimes as well, you see it with, with our goalkeeper, you know, Allison is a brilliant goalkeeper, but he does make errors. You know, errors that you would crucify Simon Minnelli for at times, but you you don't because you know Allison's the best goalie in the world, so you let him get away with stuff. Similar things can apply to well, the to Virgil Van Dijk as well. On this, what I think the wider question is, James, is that we we have in the last effectively since we signed him, we have loaded him up with fixtures, and that's the one thing that I sort of took from it was, you know, we we again. Back to the idea of physical tiredness and mental tiredness. Where he plays, the most important aspect is the concentration. And for instance, not being alive to that corner 
with Yoshida. It's not, you know, we know he can beat Yoshida in the air. The question is that he's, he's knocked off. And it's all right that he knocks off. But we there is a thing here where we ask him so to basically play every single match yeah. in a way in which we don't for almost any of the others. And maybe, just maybe, if Liverpool get a kind Champions League group, there's a League Cup game coming up. But maybe... Jürgen might have to think a little bit that he doesn't have to necessarily do 50-plus games this season. Maybe getting 44, 45, 46 out of him at his best might just might just help at this point. Yeah, I mean, it is a difficult balancing act, isn't it? Because he is, the issue is he's, he is so influential. You want him out there every single week, don't you? But you know, he is getting that balance right between you, you want him there, but you also want him there at his best. And is it is it actually in Liverpool's best interest for him to, to, to just... Be this relentless force that just goes on and on and on, and you know he's bound to. You know he's not a machine, is he? He's bound no. to have day, days like Saturday where he. You know I don't think he, I think he was probably a, a six out of ten, and it's not many times you say that about Virgil Van Dijk during his his eighteen months at Liverpool so far. But you know he's he is unbelievable. Like there were so many times last season when he shouldn't have played, when he was carrying knocks and. You know when he he battled on through. You know when they went away to I think what was it Dubai for that warm weather training camp, and you know he didn't even train for three or four days after they came back. Was ill and and still played. You know he had the thing with his his ribs, didn't he? Where you know he was basically playing with two two cracked ribs. I mean, you know he's he is unbelievable. And you know I think again for all of them, not just for Van Dyke, but you factor in what had happened to them on the back of midweek. You know not getting back to the hotel in. In Istanbul till well half two three o'clock in the morning Turkish time, um, and then you know not getting land back in Liverpool till nearly five o'clock on 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 Thursday, and then you know you're back home to your family Friday morning you're on the way again. I think they trained fifty five minutes was the one session, and you know and they were saying that when you've got a week like that it is just all about rest recovery nutrition. Try, trying to you know clop again you know master of psychology with what he said in terms of you know told them in the team meeting you know, the headlines are already written everyone expects you know this is the banana skin everyone expects us to slip up you know I'd rather the headline was the, the mentality giants and um, so yeah you've got to factor all that into the mix it, I think when when you when you consider all of that it's no great surprise that Van Dyke wasn't at his usual best I think you can see it as well in the managers use the subs Gareth in terms of the the toll that's on them and then also the toll that's on Van Dyke the toll that's on Matip you know be fair to Matip I don't think again he covers himself in a ton no. of glory all the way through the game but the toll that's on them in terms of the mental side the managers reluctant to bring Fabinho and Henderson on you know they they're, they're late yeah. subs and yet that tells you what he's asking the players who he's asked to go again to go through and he, he's thought about it as he said that you know he doesn't expect the midfielders to be playing 50 60 games he wants to constantly rotate and and in a way that's sort of counterintuitive to what we've grown up with so you know you ex- you talk about partnerships for instance you talk about players having understanding well obviously partnerships and understandings are harder to develop when it's constantly shifting so mate this goes back to the idea of almost just winning and, and you know it's the circumstances that are prevent you know presented to Liverpool in terms of the schedule in terms of having to go to Turkey in terms of it being incessant and also you talk about you know the mental strength and the pressure that's on them I think the Manchester City thing has to come into the equation as well in that both Liverpool and Manchester City both know that each other's brilliant and therefore know that you almost can't put a foot wrong all season. And and that's ridiculous when we're in August. Do you know what I mean? Like this is the you know, you'd be talking about this maybe in April normally or March or or certainly after Christmas, whatever. Now the way it is, 
you know, both managers will, will surely be saying to each other, you know, behind closed doors, well, they're capable of 100 points and they're capable of 100 points. And so, therefore, you, you're not allowed a mistake. And that's got to creep into the players' minds. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, you know, like I said before, what goes on psychologically at Liverpool is brilliant and the manager's brilliant at it. Um, you know, you've got players there who've got a deep interest in it as well in terms of Origi. You can see it all the time in the quotes and what they're saying. But nevertheless, it's got to seep in somewhere. It just does. That inner critic will, will be there shouting up about how good the opponents are. But one thing the manager's done um, really well, and when we talk about mentality, he's shipped out players who've got weak, weak mentality, mentality yeah. or doesn't play them. So Same over... In- no. I was going to say that about injuries as well. I mean, you know, without naming names, we know for a fact that in the, in, in the past... And go back as far as you want, so, so that I'm not talking yeah. about. But you know, it's been players that we've heard. It doesn't take much for them to say they're not yeah. ready to play. And, and it seems the opposite way around now. You know, we got what James was just saying about Van Dijk. We know it of other players as well. You know, Milner would have to be like yeah. knocked out by a, a lorry <laughs> to not play. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and, and you know, James's piece as well about this, them all getting treatments on the plane and all this madness. And it's like. You know, they're getting patched up and they're going out there week after week because they're all determined and desperate to win the Well, thing. that's when Neil, when Neil says about Van Dijk not having his greatest game. I mean, that's true. But you don't think for one second he's going to unravel and start no. making mistakes, you know, Lovren-esque. You know, when you talk about Alisson, you know, the first time I noticed that mentality giant thing was probably Leicester away. Yeah. When he makes that mistake, nothing changes. Just plays his normal game. It would have been interesting, though, if Adrian makes that mistake... Early on, we don't know if it's not 10 15 to go, how would he have reacted? Could he have got through the rest of the game? Because he has that one, doesn't he, in the first half where he, there's a little bit of a sign of someone yeah. closing him down. And he doesn't learn from it, he does it again. But I think what the manager's done really well is fill the squad with people who don't suffer when there's a little bit of adversity. They crack on, they play the normal game, it doesn't phase them. We've got a lot of that flowing through this current Liverpool team. That might sum up the, the Lovren situation, really. You're not seeing them even in the 18s. You're talking about lads who. who a knock keeps them out and he, he was one where you were, there was periods where you really needed them and he was nowhere to be seen but the fucking common cold or something like that you know and I've, I've defended them a lot over the years but there is times where you think could you not have gone this one that that minor knock you've got or that stomach bug or whatever mm. is keeping you out again really and that that might that might sum up where his where his Liverpool career has gone and, and why where there's you talk about Van Dijk Milner coming on like Terry Butcher and whatnot you, you know these are these are the, the extra lengths this mentality monsters he talks about to go and to win for Liverpool every single week well there's a, there's a point here James which I think we're, we're sort of circling and circling which is I've never known a Liverpool team have to play under this much pressure for so long yeah. and that they're now, they've now effectively because I remember Crystal Palace away last season second game of last season second league game of last season and the way it felt where Mane rounds the keeper and kills the game to make it 2-0 and it felt then like it was absolutely massive. There's, I, I can't think of a point in history where a Liverpool <laughs> side has had to play under this much pressure for this long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you're right. I mean, it was exhausting just watching it, wasn't it? Especially in the second half of last season when you just knew that there was absolutely no margin for error, and it, it feels like almost like a continuation of, of of last season. Just because we kind of all know that you know, I know obviously City dropped two points on the weekend, but you know. We know, we also know deep down that's not going to happen too often this season, and so you know you you have to make every every game count, and you know it is that does bring with it you know a, you know a ridiculous amount of pressure. But you know as as the lad said, Klopp has now fashioned this squad in his own image, really in terms of the character of the players he's got there. Um, you know he, you know he's it's it's 
you know, it's, for him, it's so much about the mentality as well as well as the the ability that each of them you know bring bring to the fore, and you know that that shines through on days like like Saturday, where you know where I just you just knew that that was going to be a game where Liverpool would have, would have to grind it out. That you know I, I didn't expect them to. Play, like, they surprised me in the second half. The fact that they played so well for 25, 30 minutes because. I thought even that might be beyond them after after what had happened in in midweek, but um, no, it's the, the the mentality side is absolutely massive, and a lot of that comes back to Klopp's ability to you know he just has this unbelievable knack of being able to say the right thing at the right time, and and the players buy into that one hundred percent. There's nothing wrong either, is there? With with a side that sort of can do that as well. I mean, you know, this isn't a new thing. Like you know, you look at Mane winning that match for us in the way it is does. Because that's what that goal did. It changed the whole course of the thing. You know, I can remember loads of games when I was a much younger person going to Anfield, watching a turgid shit match, basically. You know, that was getting bogged down in midfield. That was just a bit of a battle. And then John Barnes would do something and we'd won. Mm. And, and and this is what good sides do. And, and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying, you know, like someone who's world-class like Mane has won it because, yeah, he's in our harmony, so you use him. Well, that's what Firmino and Mane have done there at the yeah. weekend, isn't it? They just found a way. I was, I was going to go on James' point about this sort of the, the Crystal Palace a, a year ago thing is, like, I'm, I'm in the concourse at the weekend and people are genuinely exhausted. Like, I've, I've, I've been, I think I've missed one league game home and away since then, and I, I got to Southampton, I was like, fucking hell to slog this. So, how are these, how are the lads feeling about it? You know, because if this lad, this, you see a, a very regular crew. In, uh, at the away games, it's it's almost like a closed shop in terms of who's there, pretty much. And people come up to me going, "I'm not ready for this shit." You know, <laughs> what, 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 this is what competitive game in number four, and that but they still haven't set their minds right in terms of that. We've got this this th- what is it now? Thirty six more games to go. It's a proper slog, but for, for the 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 footballers who've been in Istanbul till five o'clock and. In uh, Thursday night and whatnot, it must be so difficult to get your mind right to just go again with zero training and zero prep. It's the way Gareth have accepted it. It's the new normal, which I think mm. is the most impressive thing about them. That you know, right the way through the back end of last season and even before the back end of last season, I always cite Wolves away as the one where I looked at them and thought, "My yeah. God, you are absolutely incredible," uh, and you're ready. You're ready for this, and they were ready for it. They got 97 points. They were ready for it. They just didn't get didn't get over the line in the end, but they were ready for it. And you're looking at them now, and they are. This is the normal. This is the this yeah. is this is their lives now, and it, the extent to which they're all bedded in, they're all committed to this. This could be part of the managers thinking about not bringing someone in or not compromising and bringing someone in. Is that what he's got? Is he, he knows that these lads are ready for this mad thing? Where, as James says, you can maybe afford to drop points in six games. Yeah, the the and, and that's it. The acceptance of it is absolutely brilliant because you know the the way the world is around the edge of football. You know the football media and everything else. You know, some of it at least. You know, they will look for reasons why you're going to fuck up, and will shout about them. You know, so you have got this injury, you've got you've got a you've got a third, fourth, fifth choice keeper in goal, all the rest of it. All that's like constantly pushed out there, and us as fans, it affects us. You see it when you're talking to your mates. You see your mates talking about, oh, Southampton's dodgy. We've got a poor record, and you're like, actually, we've been well, we've done well against them for quite a while. You know, lads, and they're like, yeah, but remember the Dell, and you're like, it's got no beard. It's got no beard. <laughs> On this Marianne at all, isn't playing, is but, that's what I mean. but, but you know, like the actual <laughs> Liverpool players just seem and the manager just fully accept the situation and how mad it is. And you know, you mentioned Wolves, I mean, the manager was talking about 115 points after Wolves, wasn't he? And so there he is going out just saying, Yeah, that's mad, but we can do it, we're great. And if you've got someone, a, a proper leader, 
a, a leader of men like Klopp constantly telling you that, and a fellow who looks great to be around full stop, then that's going to rub off, isn't it? And, and and it's not just him; it's it's Milner as well. There's so many of them. You know, you can put Robertson's another one, Van Dyke's another one, Allison's one. You know, there's a there's a there's a a proper spine of character mm. all the way through the team and all the way through well, the coaching team. That's where I think Ian, the fact that you still get the real sense of the of, the, of enjoyment, I think helps. And I think that that's something which could become could start playing a part with reference to our direct opposition is a little bit. Liverpool to me look, you know, you you, you look at the way Mane and Firmino both celebrate the goals. Yeah, there's they've got jokes. They, you know, it's 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 not quite this. You know, it doesn't quite feel. We're talking using the phrase slog. It doesn't entirely look like that for them. Mm-hmm. In that second half, it stopped to look like a slog. It looked like it became enjoyable. It became enjoyable for Oxlade Chamberlain. It became enjoyable for Alexander Arnold. That I think that what I love to see is the fact that they love they look to me to be really relishing the challenge. They might feel differently in January. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we all might. But I think I think that's why. Now, even the game in Istanbul felt really important to me because it's another thing the manager can point to and go, look, this is why we're doing it. Keep doing what I'm asking you to do. And this is the end result. It ends in trophies. I think, yes, Mane's enjoying it. Firmino's enjoying it. I think Mane's story fascinates me uh, massively. Um, there's a there's a passage in Cy Hughes' new book about Mane. And I didn't realise Klopp had him in his office um, when Klopp was managing Dortmund. And could have signed Mane then. And the reason he doesn't go for him, because he was questioning his personality and whether he had the right mentality to reach elite level. Klopp says, listen, totally my fault. I should have made the move, pull the trigger, etc. But then it's backed up a little bit further when Mane comes to Liverpool and James Mill says he doesn't speak for weeks. Like they've got him there, doesn't say a word. And when he does, it's dead, dead quiet. But he comes alive when he scores that goal at Arsenal. And he jumps on Klopp's back and rides him like a horse. And, and that's when Mane <laughs> becomes... More confidence because he suddenly starts believing in his own ability. And Klopp says in 17, 18, he says, I keep telling him you're world class, but he doesn't believe in himself. But then 18, in 18, 19, he does start to believe it. I mean, there's only Ronaldo in the last two years who's got more Champions League goals than, than Mane. That's, that's the level he's operating at. So I think for some of them, it's taken them a little bit longer in terms of that journey. But obviously now, you know, you've got... 18 lads, 19 lads who've all got similar mentalities, who've all, who were all enjoying the, the journey that the manager's taking them on and we're kind of reaping the rewards we, now. We got to see the dip in Marnie for a period last year when he doesn't believe in himself around the time. Does he score at Burnley? Is That's your... the season before 17-18. So in the winter Sorry, of 17-18 yeah. when he has the bad game against Everton where misses he a yeah. misses a sitter and is laughing oddly. And that, that, that finds yeah. it really and hard, that, clearly. That shows you how important the, <clears throat> the self-belief that that they've got in in um in each other. Oh, sorry, they've they've gained under the manager really. That th- this is what I look like with my head's down when I'm when things aren't going right for me. You know, because th- there was periods he couldn't make a pass. It was unbe- it was unbelievable how evident it was that it was all in his head as well. That he scores the the worldy against Burnley, doesn't he? Towards the end, and then bang, he's straight back at it. You know, it it, it it was completely in his head, and this is how far. He's obviously come because he was a good player at Southampton. There was, I think, there was a January, was it? That he was close to going to Man United. There was no, no secret that he was going to go on to bigger and better things. But for him to come in and be timid, it's it's the opposite of what mm. you think about him. Now you see that video on the club's uh, socials the other week about him bouncing back in the dressing room. Swagger, he's, he? Yeah, he's got a swagger, but he's obviously a huge presence oh, yeah. now. Where where he's saying that he didn't say a word for weeks, you couldn't imagine a world and with Sadio Mane. Mm. He's quiet. Um, the one thing to take from the game is. The goal, the, uh, the goalkeeper's error, James. I think a couple of things to note. One is how well Liverpool 
basically decide they're not going to put them under any more pressure after the goal, uh, which is a credit to the teammates. The fact that they just all collectively make that decision back there, the back four plus Fabinho, arguably, and maybe even a couple of the midfielders take that pressure off him. It's a strange one in that it, it looks so unlikely. You know, maybe the camera angle doesn't help when you get to watch it back because you can see Alexander Arnold's in a ton of space. You can see it's very easy to do the thing where you're like, why have you done that? There's all these <laughs> other things you could have done. But that's, again, us not allowing for the fact that, you know, if, he, if they've only had 55 minutes of training between the two games, he's only had at most 10 days of training with Liverpool before the Chelsea game. This is still a footballer who's getting used to what Liverpool do. Yeah, I think you, you've got to cut him some, some slack. Um, because yeah, I think also over the course of the game, you know, not that I put any blame on. I think it was Van Dijk one that gave the ball back to him in the build-up to the goal. I said, but in the first half, I couldn't believe how many times Liverpool did put the ball back to him when they didn't need to. And you know, Klopp touched upon it after the game as well because for a fella that was a big doubt had a massively swollen ankle and taken painkillers, you know, you, surely part of it has got to be to keep the ball away from his feet. It was unless, clear in the ground, wasn't and, it? You could see he was yeah, struggling. Yeah. I couldn't believe how much pressure, pressure yeah. they were putting them under because at times it was going. Even around the goal, kick, goal kicks, obviously the new rule this year is that however many people can be in the box as, as you like. They were putting them under so un, yeah. so much unnecessary pressure. I couldn't believe it. it was like, whatever we do is we don't make him kick it. Yeah, hey, lad, here's the ball again. <laughs> and it was constant. It was mad. Yeah, it was. And I think I think that... that that kind of put him under unnecessary pressure, and then I think, yeah, but you can't. It's just a, I don't, I don't know what's going through his head. In there, to be honest, because as you said, there was there was a lot of things he could have done with that ball as opposed to giving it straight to to Danny Ings. But um, you know, similar in a way to to what happened with Allison at, at Leicester last season. You know, it's the time to get a mistake like that out your out your way is in a game where it doesn't cost you any points and. Um, yeah, thank, thankfully that was the case. But you know, so much has happened to Adrian in the last couple of weeks. When you think, you know, going from you know, training on his own in in Seville and wondering what was going to be next, and suddenly then thrown in at the deep end at, at Liverpool, and you know, I'm sure he would have he'd have probably looked at the League Cup at the end of September initially as like, you know, I've got I've got a nice six seven weeks here to get my feet under the table and, and get accustomed to the way Liverpool play, and it hasn't worked out that way. You know, he's Obviously, amazing from what happened in Istanbul last week, but um, I think it was just a sign that he's, you know, aside from the fitness issues which couldn't have helped him on the weekend, he's all this is completely new to him. This style of play, where you know Liverpool expect their goalkeeper to to be so good with his feet, and I think in general his defenders didn't do him too many favors on the weekend. Yeah, I just want to just obviously the the game isn't one that was particularly accessible to everyone. It's one of the maddest things I've ever seen. Saturday afternoons, getting so many messages, seeing a scramble for people trying to watch the game somewhere. So just just in terms of that actual game, I, I felt that they put him under pressure so many times unnecessarily. And we'd had a warning where he slips in the first half um, that his mobility wasn't quite where it needs to be. Don't, I'm, not, I'm not defending the error here, but what I'm saying is the unnecessary pressure that we put him under was, was stupid and sort of summed up some of the defensive things that we were touching on earlier about Van Dijk not having a, a, a perfect day. There was times where, even on goal kicks, they were having to sort of like try and sell Southampton a couple of dummies, like they were shaping one way to put it the other, just to, just so Liverpool could actually get out. I don't quite understand why they didn't just put the likes of Van Dijk on the goal kicks at, at the weekend. It, it, was, it was so evident he was struggling. They should have avoided him like the, like the plague. Gareth, after the after the mistake, they do get that one chance, uh, which they should score. Ings mm. should should direct it into the net off, off the Redmond pass. But there is a 
there is a thing to point out here, which is they, they actually don't get in again. So we're all nervous. You watch it. That's the, the nature of football. We know what it means. We're, we've all got our... We're all living the, the reality of it. But they actually don't get in again. They don't, they don't get to have another attempt, Southampton. Mm. And again, you know, talking about Liverpool's ability to to knuckle down, I think it's as good an example of it as anything else. Because the one thing you would expect... you. I was going, right, kitchen sink, kitchen sink, mm. kitchen sink, and Liverpool managed to sort of dodge kitchen sink, and that shouldn't happen. Yeah, and it, it, it's good that it did, isn't it? I mean, you know, it, it was intense, that end of it. Um, but I know what you mean in that, like, you know, it's not bouncing off the post and the bar and the keeper's not making an absolute string of saves. I mean, he does make some saves across the 90, but, the, you know, there's, there's the matter attempt at an own goal and there's, there's the the save as well which in particular you know those, those two were good bits of goalkeeping but I forgot the attempt at the own goal that was spectacular wasn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's Ronnie Whelan-esque that one um, but yeah I mean, it was, I, I guess when you put it in the in the context now of being able to have a second think about it yeah it wasn't it wasn't mad and it wasn't attempt, but at the time it was wasn't it but it, it reminded <laughs> me but one of the things I was thinking about watching it like again sort of talk about the journey you go back to the start of 17-18 and there's the 3-3 at Watford and the extent to which you feel the Watford equaliser is coming for yeah. two, three, four minutes mm. plus a set piece in a very similar area. And listen, when the set piece came, I was I had nightmares of Tim Cale and Mikel Arteta from that sort of area. You know, all of that sort of stuff, all the hits. But really, I'd have backed, I'd have backed the boys, and mm. and you see that they back each other in a way that is different. You know, that is the journey they've come on. You, you were able to go, no, we're good, we are going to be okay. And that, and that's that's back down to I think stuff we've touched on already that there is like a sort of collective identity now around around the team and the squad. And and they've all gone gone through it together pretty much. You know, you mentioned before that it's not you know it's not changed much, obviously, with the no big signings and etc. But I, I think you know cohesion's massive in in sports in team sports, obviously. And you know the fact that they've come through the experiences they have will help them. They they almost know what to do in this situation now, and there isn't the panic. And it used to be the norm to panic in that situation. Like I said before, you know, so many times, you know. I don't know, Birmingham or someone coming to Anfield and and getting late equalisers and things like that. And you would, you know, promoted sides regularly getting something at Anfield as well. All that's gone. You know, two two seasons unbeaten at Anfield. You know, we, the, the whole identity of the club and the team has changed. And it and it's going to roll on. And I think it rolls into the heads of other teams as well. Like I touched on it before, you see Southampton go oh, for fuck's sake, when Liverpool get ahead. Because there's a stack kicking round, isn't there, that the last time Liverpool were ahead in a Premier League and then lose was Steven Gerrard's last match at Anfield against Crystal Palace. And in all that time since, when they've taken the lead, they win the match. That's and it. everyone else will know it, that. It was typical Liverpool. If you, uh, it, the game that stands out in my head is the game where everyone walked out, the one where Adam Johnson scores the free yeah. kick. You know, that, I remember that. Isn't this typical Liverpool? I remember us doing shows like... Why do we why do we collapse when there's a little bit of pressure on us? And obviously there was there was some extra circumstances that day, but the the fact that that's that's it's so not the norm now, and it's not that long ago that that the, the mentality has changed so much is unbelievable. But it's us as well, isn't it? It's like us as the oh, fans yeah. as well as the players. The so like, to that game you're on yeah. about, you know, you literally see everyone like arms up in the air, players' heads go down, all the rest of it. And, you know, you remember, don't you, like Klopp's talking about, well, we should decide when games are over and we should decide when we can't win it. And obviously, you know, and, and that's that's like almost toxic, Ferguson-esque like, type of statement. You, you pass the ball back to the goalkeeper and the cop would be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was horrendous <laughs> at, at periods and... 
that that was it, and it was around the time where Klopp was having a go of fans for getting off a bit early yeah. or giving up on them. And how many late goals have you seen Liverpool score to to win things? And that's that's how, not how far the team have come, just how far we've come as a club. And in terms of the the, the good spirit around the place, it's unbelievable. Like so much has changed, whether it's from things like boss night and the culture on the concourse, just the general vibe around the club. And obviously winning creates that, but it's so, so much different. It's such a small small space of time. The things like the weekends don't end up in collapse is something that we should, even on the back of a tough performance, we should really celebrate. I'm going to uh, indulge myself by asking you for a man of the match. I often don't do that on this show, but I am actually interested to see who everybody goes for. Um, so your man of the match for this one. In fact, I'll ask you in a minute, like have, have a minute to think about it. Um, we're doing a live show before Arsenal at home at On Air. Um, so you can buy tickets from that now if you go to the Anfield Raps Twitter or Facebook or whatever you'll be able to find on air we'll go into and also if you just go on to see tickets and look into it we're in there for the game before Arsenal uh, so it is I think we'll go on about I think doors about half twelve uh, we'll go on about half one and then uh, people can start making a move about three o'clock um, and get themselves to the to the ground on time uh, but we will not be booking cabs for anybody. Uh, last time we did this, someone said, are you going to book us a load of cabs? <laughs> no, 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 mate, we're not. We're not going to ring David Liver up and say, can we have 40 uh, for this time? So, sort your own, box your own cab. Box your own cab and sort all that out. But there's loads of time by the time we finish. There'll be loads and loads of time to get from there to Anfield to be around the ground before kickoff. Uh, do come. Uh, it will be fantastic and a real celebration of everything that's gone on uh, over the last couple of months, few months. First one of them we've done in a while. So on air, before Arsenal do come down, we will all enjoy it massively. Man of the match, Ian. I enjoyed Chamberlain's uh, second half performance. I thought there was real green shoots there, but it's Sadio Mane for me being an absolute mile. Um, Gareth. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. In that, you know, you're made up for Chamberlain, aren't you? That you know, you saw a player there again, and and, and he seems to be running a lot more freely, sprinting, and all the rest of it. You know, that's huge when you've come through the injury as. But yeah, it, it, it's it's a hundred. Mane's involved in everything. It's that's hundred percent on, 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 on Saturday, so yeah. it has to be Mane for me. Uh, James, yeah, I mean you, you can't get away from Sadio Mane. He was the match winner when they you know, brought the game to life after a difficult first half, and then was the creative force in the second half and and set up the the the, the killer second. But yeah, you'd have to give an honourable mention to Oxlade Chamberlain. I think if you were looking at one player who Saturday was like a big step forward for, it would have to be him. Um, and then I. I think you'd have to you'd have to mention James Milner's name just in terms of after an hour spent talking a lot about the mentality of this team and this squad. You know, he epitomises that someone who was was battered and bruised after after Istanbul in midweek and was one of those ones having three hours of treatment on the flight home and then gets a, a whack in the head and is off for five or six minutes, has stitches, but you know there was no no one was going to stop him getting back out on that pitch and uh, and helping Liverpool keep the ball rolling. Yeah, for me, um, <coughs> Mane is man of the match. But again, another honourable mention would be for Firmino. I thought he was, when Liverpool were great, he was so evidently great. He was he was key to everything we did. But Mane, head and shoulders, the the one who gets us on gets us on the road with such a fantastic goal. Yeah, it was it was him. By miles. Uh, if you subscribe to the Anfield Rap uh, audio, you'll be able to hear a long conversation about Firmino's performance in the review. Uh, if you watch the video, uh, I'm going to be going heavy on Firmino on the stats show. Got loads and loads of interesting stuff to show you about what he does in the second half. Thank you very much to Gareth. Thank you very much to James, to Ian, to Paul, and to you for listening. It has been the Anfield Rap this week. The Mentality Giants march on. Sports Social Podcast Network.